0: Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is where we're going to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the message and song we were just able to hear and uh, hope to be blessed by. Lord, I pray that you would help us now in these next few moments, Lord, to give attention to your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be doers and not hearers only. God, I pray that you'd help us to apply this and to be willing to change things if things need to be changed. God, that you'd bless this time together. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I don't want to review all of last week's message simply because it does not tie into today's lesson. But I would ask you to consider this question, how much wisdom have you prayed for in the last seven days? Uh, it, It was the point of the message last week that you and I need wisdom desperately. And if we don't have wisdom, we will squander and we will waste the days that God gives us. And so we ought to be willing to ask ourselves a very simple question. How many times this week did I go to God and say, God, I need your wisdom? God, I need it for my family. I need it for my walk with you. I need it for my children. How much time did we spend in prayer asking the Lord for wisdom this week? If we've not spent that time in prayer asking the Lord for wisdom, we will find ourselves one day down a road that we wish we weren't on. And so it's, it's something to take serious because you and I don't want to waste the opportunity that God gives us. This morning we're going to be in the 71st chapter of Psalm. The 71st chapter of Psalms. And as you're finding your place there, I'm going to share a story with you all that is personal to me. I know that over the years I have shared elements of this story. Maybe throughout the years, collectively, I've shared every aspect of this story, and if it is somewhat repetitive, I do apologize for those who have had to set through this in times past. But for those who this may be the first time, I hope it'll be a help to you and illustrate a a decent point. And if you've forgotten this, then I hope you'll be reminded of it. But this morning, you've heard me over the years talk about my grandfather on my mother's side of the family. Uh, He was a man who was self-employed basically all the years that I was old enough to pay attention and to be aware of what he was doing with his life. And he was a man who worked hard. He was a man who Uh, was diligent in his business, and his work, and he was a good man in many, many, many regards. And so he was one in the family that we all looked up to, that we admired, that we had a lot of respect for. And on July 19th, 1993, something that completely surprised us and something that completely shocked us was whenever we got news that he had died from a massive heart attack it was unexpected it was not anything that any of us were even remotely prepared for and so when that call came that he had died from that heart attack of course we were shocked and we were devastated and we were just kind of in a sense of disbelief and you understand how that works but you also understand how this works that at the appropriate time you have to kind of go through things and you have to get rid of things and you have to move on with life and so I remember whenever that time came there was this time where the shop had to be gone through and tools had to be divided between the sons and the son-in-law. And, and this possession had to be given here and this position, possession had to be given here. And, and you understand, just things had to be divided up and things had to be given away. And then you try to do so equally and you try to do so without offending people or hurting people's feelings. And so it came to this point where it was time to get rid of some of granddad's jewelry because he had a few rings that he liked to wear. And again, some of you I know have heard this story, but one son got this ring, another son got this ring, a son-in-law got this ring, and my brother, who was the oldest grandson, he got a ring that my granddad would wear. And of all the things that were given to family members, of all the things that were given to each of us, Probably the most valuable of possessions that was given to one of his sons was something that from a monetary standpoint had no value or very little value associated with it. That gift was the paratrooper ring that my grandma had made for my granddad as a result of his time in World War II as a paratrooper. He had his paratrooper wings that had been given to him back when he was in the uh, military, when he was in the army. And after the service, my grandma had that custom-made or custom-built or however you would frame those words. He, she had it made into a ring, and that was his most prized possession because of all the stories it would evoke and all the memories that it would bring back. And you could see that ring on my granddad's hand and you could, you know, you could talk to him about it and you could ask him questions. And immediately the stories would come and the memories would come and everything that that he associated with that ring, you could sit and you can listen to it for hours, as a grandson at least. And so while it didn't hold a lot of monetary value of all the things that were passed on to the next generation, That was the most valuable, and that was the most sought-after of us kids. Now, this morning, as we think about that, again, I want to deal with the principle of it in a few moments. But as we're in Psalm chapter 71 this morning, I think most of us know this, that David is the one who wrote this psalm, and he is the one who penned these words. And as would be common for most of these psalms, or many of them at least, this is a prayer that was recorded to God from David. So this would have been a prayer that David offered unto the Lord that he took the time to write down, to put pen to paper, so to speak. And by the grace of God, it's been preserved for us for our benefit and for our help. And And as we think about David, the writer of this psalm, I want us to think about something most of us know, but we wouldn't come to church thinking about today necessarily. But I want us to think about the relationship that David had with the Lord in the early days of his life. When you think about the fact that David was a young man who sat many days, you would assume, based upon his profession, watching the sheep, as you think about what he would spend many of his days doing, sitting on the countryside somewhere, watching the sheep, what you begin to realize is this, from the different psalms that are written and again recorded for us, It seems obvious that David enjoyed a unique relationship with God from a young man's perspective. Most young men do not seem to enjoy the kind of depth of relationship with God that David seemed to enjoy. And so here is David, and he enjoys this relationship with God at a level that most young men will never know, will never achieve, or anything of that nature. And, and, and not only did David have this unique relationship with God that was foreign to most young people in his days, David also was able to experience things that not very many people would be able to experience. He had known so many things by way of the provision of God, the protection of God, the grace of God. You think about the stories of the times that he fought the lion and the bear. You think of that occasion where he stood before Goliath as a small young man in comparison to Goliath, the great mighty warrior. And David was victorious each time because of the power of God working in his life. And then as David continues on through life and he is anointed to be the next king of Israel to follow Saul, we know that Saul spent many days and many weeks pursuing David in hopes of destroying him so as to be able to preserve the kingdom for his son Jonathan. And over and over again, David was able to escape and he was able to survive because of the grace of God working in his life. You remember this, don't you? So here is David, and he has enjoyed a unique relationship with God as a young man, something that would have been strange, something that would have been foreign by way of most young men's relationship with God. He enjoyed the protection of God, the provision of God, in so many different areas of his life. And then one day he finds himself as the king of Israel. Friends, in their day there was no greater seat of power or authority, or success, or wealth, or riches than what David would have known. David was a man who had seen much, who had accomplished much, who had lived through much. David was a man who had, again, a unique life and certainly an interesting life. So as you keep that in mind, you begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter 71, and he says, In thee, O Lord do I put my trust, let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. And so as you continue reading down through the chapter, as I've already said, this is a prayer that is recorded by David to God. And it's in verse number 17 this morning that I want us to pick up on the message and where I want us to spend our time today. In verse number 17, here is what David says. And we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. We don't know at exactly what stage of life in which this was written. But notice it says in verse number 17, he says, O God, Thou hast taught me from my youth. O God, Thou hast taught me from my youth. What does it mean when David says that God had taught him since his youth? It simply means this. That God, from my time as a young person, God, from, from those years of my life when I was a young man, here is what you have been you have been my teacher and you have been my instructor. God, it is you that has been my guide. Now again, most young people could not make that declaration because they do not spend the years of their youth letting the Lord lead them and guide them and teach them and be their instructor. You would have to agree with that if you just look at society as a whole. That is not where most men are at, letting the Lord lead them from an early stage in their life. But for David, that was true. He said, God, from my youth thou hast taught me. He goes on to say this, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. So, what does it mean whenever he says, and hitherto? It means this, and up to this point. So, up to this point, David says, I have declared thy wondrous, thy marvelous, thy amazing, thy incredible works. So again, if you just look at verse number 17 very quickly and you try to paraphrase it, here is what David tries to convey in this one simple verse. God, you have been my teacher. God, from a youth, you have been the one who has instructed, who has led, who has given guidance. God, that has been you. And to this point in my life, I have done everything I can to declare your wondrous works in my life. It's quite the testimony, if you think about it. God, I have tried to give testimony of you of all the wonderful things that have taken place in my life. So as you think about that, it transitions, obviously, into verse number 18. In verse number 18, he says, Now also, when I am old and gray-headed... Now also when I am old and gray-headed. What does that seem to indicate? Well, it seems to indicate this, that at this stage in his life, where David was at, he did not quite yet feel as though he could call himself an old man. Okay? He says, when I am old. So David may still look at himself at this stage when he is penning these words and and expressing these thoughts and writing this prayer. He's probably looking at himself saying something like this, I'm not really an old man. And and he says, but when I am old and gray-headed. Well, if you're looking forward to being gray-headed, you're probably not gray-headed at the moment, right? right? Seems to make sense. So what is David doing? Well, David then is obviously looking ahead. God, should there come a day when I'm allowed to be that old man? Should there be the day that I am allowed to be that gray-headed man? He says next by way of prayer, he says, "O oh God, forsake me not." O oh God, forsake me not. What does it mean to forsake? It means this, to leave or to abandon. To leave or to abandon. And so here is this prayer that David is communicating once more to God. God, when I am old and when I am gray-headed, here's what I'm asking you to do. Please do not forsake me. Do not abandon me. And I think David knew that God would not forsake him, that God would not abandon him. But at the same time, I think what is being conveyed in that thought or in that statement is this. Is God, would you continue to prove yourself faithful in my life? God, I have known your faithfulness in the past. God, I have known your faithfulness up to this point in my life. God, I have seen your faithfulness over and over and over again. So God, as I look ahead to the future, when I'm that old man, when I'm that gray-headed man, here is my prayer to you. God, continue to show your faithfulness to me. Do not forsake me, do not abandon me, do not leave me. Again, I don't think a real concern of David's, but rather just a simple prayer. But notice what he said next. He said, do not forsake me until. What does that mean? It means this. I want this to be accomplished, God. God, I want this to be true of my life. God, I want this to take place in my life. So he says, Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed. What does it mean to show something? It means this, to manifest it or to put it on display. God, I want to show something. I want to manifest something. I want to put this on display. So what is it that David said, I want to show and I want to manifest and I want to put on display? He said this, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. Whose strength did he want that generation to see? He said, Lord, I want to show them your strength. I don't want them to see my strength. God, I don't want them to see my abilities. God, I don't want them to see what I'm capable of. God, what I am asking you to do is this. is in the years ahead, in the days ahead. God, when I am that old, gray-headed man, here's what I'm asking you to do. I am asking you to continue to show me your faithfulness. Do not forsake me. Do not abandon me. Do not leave me, God. Why? So that I can show this generation that I am a part of, your strength, and God, here's what I also pray, and God, here's what I also ask of you, that I be able to show thy power to everyone that is to come. God, David prays, here's what I want. When I am that old, gray-headed man... And people are coming around me and they're visiting with me and they're talking with me and, and I'm able to share with them the stories of the past and I'm able to share with them what all has happened in my life. God, here's what I'm wanting you to do. I am wanting you to not forsake me, to continue to be faithful to me. Why? So that when those people are sitting around listening to this old man tell stories, I want to be able to point them to you and say, let me tell you about the strength of my God. I want to be able to say to them, this is what God did, and this is what God did, and this is what God did. And God provided here, and God provided here, and God made His presence known here. God, I want to be able to sit down with those around me who would be willing to listen to me talk, and I want to be able to tell them of Your strength. And Lord, whenever I am dead and gone, and those who would come after me, those who would follow me, God, what I want them to know is Your power being present and manifest and made known in my life. David was smart enough to realize, one day I will pass from this life. And when people hear my stories, I want them to hear of the strength of God and the power of God. That was made known in my life over and over and over again. If you think about that, it really is an amazing prayer, is it not? Say, well, why is that an amazing prayer? Well, think back to what I said just a moment ago the position that David would one day rise to as king of Israel. Are you hearing this? He would rise one day to the king of Israel, and what would he possess? He would possess money like few in their day would have ever possessed. He would have had possessions that few in their day would have ever held in their hands. He would have had gold, he would have had silver, he would have had precious stones, he would have had jewels, he would have had animals, he would have had the flocks, he would have had everything that was the sign of wealth, the signs of success, things we talked about this morning in Sunday school. David would have had everything, and do you realize that everything he would have had, you could have put some kind of figure on it as to what it was worth financially? That much gold is worth this much money. That much silver is worth this much. That kind of a chariot will bring that kind of money. And and that kind of flock, it's going to bring that kind of money. And everything that David was going to pass on to the next generation, you could put a financial figure on it. But what was David's prayer? David said, when I'm dead and gone... Here is what I want those after me to know and those who listen to my stories as the old gray-headed man. I want them to know the strength of God and the power of God. And do you understand you cannot put a financial figure on that? kind of like a cheap paratrooper ring that really in and of itself did not hold a whole lot of monetary value. But because of everything that represented and because of everything that reminded my grandfather of, that was something that was priceless to him. And as a result, it was something that was valued by us Here is David, and here is what he knew. You cannot put a dollar figure on everything that God has done for me. That is priceless to me. There is no monetary value that you can associate with that. And what I hope to pass on is not the wealth and not the possessions and not the things of this world. What I want to pass on to those who are coming up after me is I want them to know the faithfulness of God and the strength of God and the power of God. It's an amazing prayer when you think of all the things that David had in his possession to pass on to something else or to someone else. What he cared about most was, I want the testimony of the Lord's strength and power to be given to the next generation. Now this morning as we transition into some application, I want to say some things, all right, that that I hope you understand. I hope you understand why I'm saying this and and the intent behind what I'm about to say. I want to begin this morning by saying this. By no means am I against an inheritance. You understand this, right? I know that over the years, many, many, many people have passed away and as a result of their passing, they have been able to leave to their, their heirs, to those who would follow after them, they've been able to leave them financial resources, and the financial resources are a blessing to them. I understand that that happens, and I'm not opposed to it, okay? I understand that when people pass from this life, there are some who because of investments, because of deals they've made and, and shrewd uh, business practices, they've got properties and they've got lands and they're able to divide that between their kids, whatever it may be, and that's a blessing to the kids. And, and, and I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to when a person passes away, kids or grandkids or whomever it may be, going to the house and and finding this and saying, oh, I'd like to have that if you don't mind, and oh, I'd love to have that if you don't mind. I'm not opposed to any of that. you understand that? Apparently you don't. I, I thought you'd at least nod your head. you understand I'm not opposed to an inheritance? Many people have been helped by inheritances. It's been a blessing to many people over the years. But I want us to think about this truth and I want us to think about this thought that so many people as they pass from this life so many people as they pass from this life you know what's sad? The only thing they leave is money and properties and possessions. But they do not leave that which is priceless and that which is invaluable to the next generation. You say, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about this. How many people leave this life and the kids or the grandkids have just come into some sum of money. They've come in to some measure of property. They've come into some measure of possession, whatever it may be, and all that's good and all that's fine. But when that person passed from this life, they never had the ability to say to that next generation. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God in my life. Let me tell you about the strength of God in my life. Let me tell you about the power of God in my life. You understand this, don't you? So many people leave. And they may leave millions and millions of dollars to their kids and their grandkids. It may all be handled very well and written out as to what they want their, their desires to be and who will get what. And the kids may not fuss. The kids may not fight about it. But at the end of the day, the kids can't ever sit back and say, Let me tell you, all this is nice, but you know what means the most out of all this? Is that we had a dad and we had a mom who knew the faithfulness of God, who knew the strength of God, who knew the power of God, who knew that God was going to come through and deliver them in their times of need. So many people die, and the only thing they leave for their kids is money and possessions and properties and garbage. Everything that you could put a monetary value on, you could have a you could have an estate auction and get rid of every bit of it. But the kids don't have any kind of testimony of God's faithfulness from the previous generation being passed down to them. Now, friends, that's an unfortunate scenario. Amen. When all a person leaves, those after them, is stuff. So it kind of begs this question, what are we hoping to leave our kids? What are we hoping to leave our grandkids? I'm not trying to be rude, I'm not trying to be offensive in what I'm about to say and I know that for those who were in the Sunday school class, This is kind of a carryover by way of thought, and I'm all right with that. But I want us to think about it this morning. What are we wanting to leave to our kids and our grandkids? Because, see, even in the world of Christianity today, even in the world of church, so to speak, we have gotten so wrapped up with money, we have gotten so wrapped up with possessions, we have gotten so wrapped up with things that if we're not careful, the only thing we will leave our kids is a bunch of junk that will not help them and the real issues of life where they need something more than money or stuff you left them. What do you and I want to leave our kids? What do you and I want to leave our grandkids? If they were to sit at our feet, so to speak, and we were going to be able to give them what we had, would we be able to give them the testimony of the faithfulness and the strength and the power of God in our lives? Can I be honest with you? I know that I don't know the ins and the outs of every relationship. I get it. I I know that but just in visiting with people and hearing people talk and in men and women's interactions with one another, this seems to be the trend that we're seeing more and more of. People saying things like this. Oh, I think my kids know. Oh, I'm pretty sure my kids know. Now hold on, you think they know? And you're pretty sure they know of the faithfulness and the strength and the power of God? You think they know? You feel pretty confident that they know? Can I just share with you that it ought to be so commonplace for them to hear it? That you know that they know? Maybe to the point that you know that they get tired of hearing about it, but because you know you're not going to live forever, you're going to tell them one more time just so that you make sure they're not able to forget it when you are gone. I'm just saying we live in a culture and we're living in a society where money is the almighty God to so many people. And that's what they're chasing and that's what they're pursuing and it's things and it's possessions and it's properties and all this other stuff. And then by way of the the strength of God and the faithfulness of God and the power of God, what our kids and grandkids see or receive are the scraps. And what they never really saw in grandma or grandpa mima granddad whatever they may call us or call us one day what they never really saw consistently was a testimony of the faithfulness and the strength and the power of god david said god you've taught me from my youth and hitherto, or to this point, I have declared thy wondrous works. Now God also, when I am old and gray-headed, God, forsake me not. Continue to show your faithfulness to me until I have showed, made known, made manifest thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. I want to ask you, what do you want to leave to the next generation? Well, I haven't really thought about it. Are you serious? You haven't thought about what you want to leave to the next generation? Any of us could be removed from this world at a moment's notice, and we haven't thought about that? What do we want to leave to the next generation, friends? It should be our desire that of everything we give the next generation, that we give them an understanding of the faithfulness and the strength and the power of God, so much so that we don't just think they know about it, we hope they know about it, but we know that they know about it. I'm going to ask you, when was the last time you set your kids down and said, let me tell you about the faithfulness of God? I mean, set them down and you, you made this specific effort of saying, I am going to show you the faithfulness of God in our lives. You say, Brother Kyle, have you ever done that? You better believe we've done it. It wasn't too long ago that we sat at the table at Chicken Express here in town and I said, kids, I just want to go over some things with you all. And I said, we've spent money here and we've had to do this and we've had to do this and we've had to do this and we've had this expense and we've had this expense but I want to show you something, kids. I want you to know that me and mom, we have continued to give our tithes and we have continued to give our offerings and we have continued to give to missions. I want you to know, kids, we have continued to try to be faithful and obedient in our tithes and in our resources. And I want you to know that after After everything that has happened by way of expenditures, I want you to see what God has done and what God has provided. And we're not hurting one cent more today than we were before this whole mess started. And I want you to know the faithfulness of God in our lives. Because whenever I'm gone, I don't care if I leave them a house that's paid for and two cars in the garage that are paid for. I don't care if that's all I leave them, if I don't leave them a testimony of the faithfulness of God in my life. When was the last time you set your grandkids down and said, honey, baby, dummy, whatever you call them, I don't know, and you said, hey, listen, grandpa's going to talk to you for a minute. Oh, grandpa, I've heard this, and I know, I know, I know, but I'm going to tell you one more time. And I'm going to give all the praise and all the glory and all the honor to God because he alone is the one who deserves us. When was the last time we set our grandkids down and did that? You say, well, I don't know. I just thought that's not how we roll at our house. It needs to be how you roll at your house. When was the last time you set him down and said, I want you to know, Grandpa, Grandma, we are where we're at today by the grace and the strength and the power and the faithfulness of God and God alone. I think they know. Get that out of your head. You don't need to think. You need to know that they know. I don't have a book, chapter, and verse here other than just a, a thought to give you by way of principle from the Old Testament I recognize, but it's still a good principle to consider. It wouldn't be bad if one day you took the time to just start writing out the testimonies of the faithfulness of God in your life. So why would you write it down? Because there will come a day when you'll be gone and you won't be able to tell the story one more time. There will come a day when you'll not be able to set them down and bore them with your stories one more time. And what they need to do is they need to be able to go back and read those words in your writing of God's faithfulness, of God's strength, of God's power in your life. So, said, Brother Kyle, is that something you've been doing? As a matter of fact, I have. I think it would be kind of silly to challenge you to do it and me not be doing it myself. I don't have a paratrooper ring to one day hand to my kids or grandkids, but I'll tell you really in our house what means the most to me right now. There's a black leather-bound journal on my nightstand that we simply refer to as the blessings book. And every year I take some time and I just try to do a year in review, so to speak, where I try to recall the blessings of that year. God was faithful here and God provided here and in the midst of this challenge God met this need, and it was just a couple of weeks ago that I sat down and I I made the entry for last year. And as I reflected upon the faithfulness of God, I was once again amazed and overwhelmed with how good God has been to us. And I don't know if it will be this way. I just I have no idea. But you know what I'm hoping for? I'm hoping and I'm praying that when I'm the old gray-headed man about to check out you know what I'm hoping my kids and grandkids are asking about not who gets the money not how does the house get sold and we get the profits off of that you know what I hope they're worried about that blessings book So that they can be reminded when they're raising their kids. When they're dealing with their grandkids. God was faithful to dad and mom. God will be faithful to us. Dad and mom knew the strength and the power of God. I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread some of that and see how God did the amazing there and how God did the miraculous there. I'm just saying, I, I think it profitable and I think it to be helpful to write it down because one day we'll not be able to remember it as clearly as we once did and the kids won't be able to remember it as clearly as they thought they were going to, but to be able to go back and say, wow, God was faithful and God was a God of strength and God was a God of power. I don't know if it'll end up that way, but I'm hoping that of all the things they're going through the house looking for, I hope one of them is clutching that close to them, saying, nope, it's mine. I'll make copies of it for you, but no, this is mine. Because I really want to pass on to them. We serve a faithful God a god of strength and a god of power if we're not telling it if we're not teaching it if we're not declaring it if we're not recording it friends if we're not making it if we're not making it a focal point in our relationships with the people after us then we are failing to give them the greatest thing we can give them I don't care if you leave each of your kids $10 million. You say, well, there's no worry in that. I'm just saying, I don't care if you do. If you haven't left them a testimony of God's faithfulness in a clear and distinct and obvious manner, you have robbed them from the greatest inheritance you could ever give them. What do you hope to leave yours? your children, your grandchildren, those who would come behind you? What are you hoping to leave for them? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning in prayer. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be mindful of the testimony that we're leaving to that next generation, the one who would come after us, And, God, how important it is that we focus and we make it a point of of constant concern that we be pointing the next generation to you and to your faithfulness. God, so often we get so wrapped up in all the affairs of this world and in things that don't matter. Lord, we get wrapped up in things that will not help our children and our grandchildren long-term when we're gone. Lord, would you help us to be men and women who care enough about our kids to always be pointing them to you and to do so with certainty. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.